Hello and welcome to Women in Blue, the series of interviews with women uh, working in uh, robotics. Uh, today we have with us Anja Babic, who is a research associate at the University of Zagreb in the Faculty of Electrical Engineering and Computing. And Anja is working on uh, different projects uh, related to robotics. Um, robotic exploration for unconventional environmental niches, but also humanoid robotics and uh, um, the programming of tasks. She's interested in evolutionary, neural, and bio-inspired robotics. Thank you, Anya, for, uh, for accepting today our invitation to be part of the series of Women in Blue interviews. And I would like to kick off the, the um, interview from, with a quite straightforward question. What is the area of applicability of your research? What do you do on a daily basis in the lab? Uh, so it actually depends uh, on a variety of uh, things, such as uh, specific to our, our area of marine robotics is, of course, that we have a lot of field work and uh, field trials. So sometimes we prepare for that. Sometimes we are all engaged in uh, direct preparations for some field trials. Um, right, right now, I, I was just finishing a paper, for instance. This is uh, something we also do all the time. So conference papers, journal papers, etc. This is always in parallel. Um, I'm also currently uh, very busy with a new project that has just started two months ago. Uh, this is a project about buoys that monitor the environment. So robotic, autonomous robotic buoys, which is something new that we are now doing. And I'm senior researcher on this project, so I'm very busy with it. Sounds very, very interesting and very varied, all the areas of activity. But you're still, to, to get it right, you, you're still very much uh, only connected to marine robotics. So this is the main area that you're, that you're active in. That's right. And I, I'm working in the Laboratory for Underwater Systems and Technologies, and this is uh, strictly our field and what we do. So all the projects, I have worked on various projects now, and uh, they have all been related to, to marine sciences, these uh, big European projects, smaller Croatian national projects, etc. And may I ask you how your passion for robotics appeared? When, when did you first discover that you wanted to be active in this field? This is a, a bit of a hard question because I feel like the answer is, um, uh, it, this is something that's always been an interest of mine since I was very, very small. And I have, I have been lucky to be exposed to computers and technology and be allowed to, to play around with them since I was very young. And I also have, am lucky to have family living at the, the coast, the Croatian coastline. So I have been around the sea also my entire life. Uh, learned to swim when I was very, very young. And then I was interested in all the sea creatures and exploration, etc. And then, of course, all the when you get into all the science fiction, and then you see all the interesting things and you get uh, inspired by that, and so on. So and it's Yeah, go on. Yeah, no, just go on. It's very interesting. No, well, nothing. It's just uh, I, I've also just in school, I, I was always good at these mathematics and uh, physics and sciences, etc. So it was always a very natural field to be involved in. So it was more like this match with uh, mathematics and physics 
that made you go more towards robotics than, for example, like natural sciences to become an environmentalist or explore the more natural sciences part of uh, marine environments, no? Yes, I, I, it, I just, uh, I, I do find I'm more interested in, in technology and also uh, making things. This is also very uh, close to my heart, so to speak. So you actually didn't have to keep yourself motivated no during all this time to to continue your career and pursue your studies yeah no i didn't i didn't find this very hard it wasn't some big crisis or doubt or anything so it uh, yeah and it feel it, it just uh, it just went so well with my interests uh, naturally that it felt uh, I won't say easy, of course, it's not, not easy, but it, it feels uh, certainly easier than if I was made to go into something I have no interest in and uh, that, that someone might consider objectively easier or simpler. So it's just a question, again, of interest and motivation. I think a lot of it. Mm -hmm. hmm. And weren't you a little bit worried? I imagine as you went through your studies from master's and now to PhD, uh, how seeing how this field kind of uh, has less women that are active than men were you somehow preoccupied by this aspect or it's nothing that you were particularly concerned about well it's certainly something you you notice and are aware of um, but for my part I have uh, again since i was i had these interests and was involved in these also hobbies and substance a very young age i sort of became used to being surrounded by boys and then you know in that kind of environment so it wasn't uh, new or strange uh but you do sometimes you you would hear from like maybe you know older people being surprised like oh you were you were going to this uh you picked this how how come and you know but this is not something that's very serious that that I ever took very seriously so I never had this I, uh, this doubt or or anything like that. And how did you respond to these people, for example, who were like somehow questioning you or putting a question mark upon your choices? <laughs> what you it was it was mostly again it was mostly a, a, a grandmother or someone you know and I would be like oh it's okay. <laughs> so, so you didn't get these questions for like more like people who are in this technical fear or so on you, know, you didn't have like reaction not really no no i don't think they they find this that shocking anymore or yeah mm -hmm. yes and or just they wouldn't they wouldn't go and like uh, you know ask this openly mm -hmm. <laughs> i hope may i ask you if you had for example in your family like role models or uh, if your family members were in a sort of technical field, active in the technical field, or you were the only one in the family? Um, well, I I am the only one. Well, now I have a younger brother who went into civic engineering, so close. But no, so my, my mom is a, a professor of psychology, and she is the only one in my family who is uh, uh, in in this kind of higher education academic field or something yes hmm. uh, but not really no not in my family hmm. I, I imagine your family was quite supportive of you and you 
told everyone what you decided to follow as a career path yes yes it was it was all very they were also the, the support in the sense of oh this is a good uh, field a good occupation you will not be hungry and etc etc oh that's very interesting <laughs> <So> that, <laughs> yes that, you always get this also as a mm. as an angle that people think of i guess yeah that's uh, that's one area that uh, is kind of like very pushed forward when talking about more secure kind of jobs that are technologically more like uh, and better for 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 a career and um, um, during I imagine that uh, during your studies and your career path you had to deal with several challenges and I wanted to know which was one of your most one of the toughest challenges that you had to face until now in your in your career and your work i think uh i've already i, I sort of mentioned this uh earlier but um it's very the, the the abundance of travel and field work it's like one of those things that's both a blessing and a curse so to say so we really do we really do travel a lot and uh, it can be very tiring it can be very tough but it's also of course very interesting you to, to go places always though it's always um, funny to me when people hear and they're like oh you're going to this place and this place and I'm, I have to explain well yes I'm going and I will see a hangar and the warehouse I won't actually you know go sightseeing and it's uh, but sometimes you sometimes you do get to see uh, to, to, to go to sightseeing and then it's uh, nice but oh, it's a very specific I think area uh, specific to the to the marine robotics uh, uh, field field work and you consider it more like sort of a curse in terms that it's very uh, stressful to deal with like tests and open sea exploration and it's very it, it's very time consuming or why do you, you see this as a particular challenge because uh, it takes a lot of time it can be hard to plan other you know life uh, events around they have to go somewhere for two three weeks a month maybe more sometimes if you have to go on a ship that can be tough uh, it's also physically demanding it it can be very long it's so of course when you come to to do experiments somewhere you have you want to use every last minute of daylight you want to use all since you are there this is the the chance to do the work and then you can't uh, mess around and there's no time to to rest and it's uh so it can be tiring physically demanding and you work in the sun in the, the sea etc so uh and how you uh, do you go over these moments how do you motivate keep you motivating yourself to to keep on doing it knowing that these kind of difficult periods are like cannot can somehow cancel them from from your schedule well well what 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 is uh, important i found is always to to get good at preparation because if you can be prepared for it, then you can alleviate a lot of these issues. And of course, with experiences, you always learn how to deal with things, be it uh, problems that arise during, a, or, or just you get familiar with what it means to be working at sea, what, uh, you know, someone will inevitably learn to 
bring sunblock or you know that kind of thing just coming from from experiences or past mistakes and also i think something that's that's a very good part uh of that has been very very good to me in my career so far is the uh, i have had great luck with co-workers uh, we get along really well and again this is very important when you have 10 people on or two by three meter little pontoon in the middle of the sea. There's no getting away from each other. So if you don't get along, it's going to be very bad. But we have been very lucky. We have a really nice team. And also there's that kind of, we're in this together. So if we are all suffering, we can support each other. That kind of energy can can happen. And of course, everyone is, is really ready to, to jump in and, and uh, do their part, but also help the other person. So that's very, very important to get right, I think. Hmm. Very interesting that teamwork is actually the main like sort of motivator and also like sort of connection that keeps the team going on. Uh, also because in thinking at the researcher kind of image that one has to work in a lab it's very uh, autonomous and so on and now you portray an image of a researcher who needs to uh, very much to collaborate and coordinate with other people which i find very interesting as uh, uh, as as everyday activity and a way to to go ahead and progress in the career this is i think this is uh... I think this is becoming the case in, in a lot of uh, areas, but uh, again, this is a very interdisciplinary uh, field. So I, I can't know everything. So not one single person will know everything. So we have one, a mechanical engineer who will know how to deal with this part of the robot, a more software oriented person. And that you have that kind of distribution of, of skills and uh, maybe responsibilities also. And it's uh, in general, I have this, uh, I, I have experienced through the BTS workshop, uh, which I have had the luck to be involved with a lot, that this is again, the interdisciplinary nature of the field. So we go to the workshop and then we, from the robotics perspective, suddenly meet with marine scientists, biologists, archeologists. And uh, if we are making a robot, these are our end users potentially. So you have to understand them and you have to work. Uh, you are working towards the same goal. So you have to understand each other and everyone can contribute some piece of knowledge. So it's also very important to be capable of, of doing this. Mm -hmm. And what do you think that uh, such a technical field like marine robotics specifically can offer to, to a researcher? Which are the satisfaction or the areas that you think that are added value that it can bring? I think uh, this is a big draw of, of marine robotics uh, is that uh, this is this is a sort of like in the lab we have this inside joke that we have this sentence that we put into the introduction of every article we write and that is how the over two-thirds of our planet are covered with water and yet and then and then we go on to say and yet we know in some ways uh, more about space than we know about our own oceans so it's uh, i know space is space is always a point of fascination for people but uh, 
This is very similar in some ways. So this is this great underexplored environment. It's very challenging. It's not accessible or accommodating to humans at all. It's very hostile to, to humans. And so robots are key in any exploration you will do here because of simply of a question of access. So this is very, very fascinating and promising and has so much potential. Uh, even if you just look at it that way. But also the range of technologies that are applied here are just unimaginable. If, absolutely anything you can think of, you will see it's being applied. So it's uh, whatever your background or your maybe core skills, uh, you will find a place to, to apply it in marine robotics. So it has advantages also from technical, but also from sort of perspective point of view where you can where it can lead you to discoveries and so on mm -hmm. yes it has great a great future let's say like that it really has potential and perspective if we return a little bit to your years of studies uh, could you um, tell us more about your learning environment how was the atmosphere there like were you more, I assume you were more boys than, than girls in the studies. And how was it composed, the learning environment? At the university? Yeah, at the university. Uh, yes, I think it would be around two thirds, maybe male to female sort of ratio, I think. But it's, uh, it's I think it's, uh, it's, it keeps changing. So. Mm -hmm. I have, since I am also involved in teaching, I do see that it really does shift. Because uh, when I was a master's student, uh, by the time you get divided into all these branching specializations, and then I will control engineering, et cetera, et cetera. And in some of the elective classes, I was the only woman. But now I see this, uh, the statistics are changing a bit. And I, I hear also from on a university at the university level that this is changing and shifting. Hmm. Um, well, what we had was a combination of classical lectures and uh, I guess that are very technological uh, faculty here. We had uh, a very already very like this was a not revolutionary, but uh, we already had digital materials and all that stuff uh, was very uh, present. Uh, but the best part, of course, was that there was a lot of uh, projects, practical work, lab work. And this is always, I think this is the best way to learn when you do something yourself. When you have to apply it, then you, then you really get to understand it. Mm -hmm. So you could describe your like sort of learning environment as quite open and like uh, um, in terms of also the, the, the way you were learning with your peers. For example, did you had, did you work in groups or you were more like focusing on individual studying and lab work and? Uh, both, both happened. So some of some things are, were, you know, uh, single person tasks or projects, but for the bigger uh, projects and labs, the, we did have teams and uh, also at in the, the building of the Faculty of Electrical Engineering here, we have this um, 
it's a space with tables where you see groups of students always learning and it would always be like, oh, you sit together and you make the lab exercise or work on something. So this was always normal. Uh, this was always something that happened. Hmm. Even so if it wasn't officially, yeah, even, even if it wasn't officially maybe a task for a group, you would still have people working together to, to complete this. And it was, uh, this was always the case. And did you meet, for example, also with students from other faculties or you were mostly from electrical engineering, like forming a group? No, mostly, mostly it is just from, from electrical engineering. So the University of Zagreb, but um, building wise is quite separate. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, and which were the most challenging and the most appealing parts of your university studies? Well, I think both challenging and appealing were, would be the, the work on projects and the actual uh, implementation of things. So you would have a lecture and then the professor explains mm -hmm. some theory, uh, etc. But then when it comes to actually implementing it, maybe on a little robot, maybe in a simulation or something like that, then you really have to get it and also through that you really do come to understand the concepts better than just looking at the formula or deriving the formula and uh, this is also something that uh, well this is if you are an engineer this is what you will be doing later so it's very important i think mm -hmm. i was just wondering if you ever had some kind of a doubt about your career where was there at any one point in your life, this moment where you said, okay, am I doing, am I going in the direction I want to go? Or, or was everything clear like from the start when you started your studies? No, I think it was, I think it was fairly clear. I'm trying to think of maybe, but uh, I honestly can't think of, uh, of a moment that I would have thought this. Mm -hmm. So you were very kind of focused and you knew what, uh, what yes i knew i knew very early on yeah so it wasn't for me personally it wasn't a very big deal mm -hmm. in that sense i was curious also about your um activities outside of formal education did you engage more in like sort of technical kind of activities or you were in other kind of hobbies did you have other hobbies or i do i, st I still have i think more or less the same hobbies also uh so i'm very engaged in the sort of um, local uh, speculative fiction fandom communities with the you know conventions and all this nerd stuff. <laughs> um, I, I like uh, I play a lot of I'm very into the gaming like board gaming, tabletop gaming, computer gaming, all of this. Uh, mm -hmm. This is something I've always been interesting interested in. I read uh, fiction a lot. I also write sometimes and. Uh, as for maybe sports, uh, I trained Wing Chun Kung Fu for almost, I think, wow. about four years. Uh, and <laughs> That's now, right one. now, <laughs> yes, but it's very, it's very fun. Um, and right now I do uh, uh, fencing. So not, not the Olympic fencing, but uh, historical fencing with the big swords. <laughs> Oh, wow. That's, that's kind of wide range of uh, activity. Yeah. I, I believe it also keeps you kind of uh, active also for, for the field work and engaged maybe. Yes. Yeah, this is really important because otherwise we would be 
outside of the field work, we would be sitting all day in, in the chairs and in the lab. So this is, uh, this is really important. It can be tough, but uh, it's really important to get moving. I do, I, I have the luck that I like walking places so I don't go by car or something. So this is, mm -hmm. I'm trying to. Yeah, physical activity is always yeah. interesting. And do you think that any of your hobbies, for example, uh, somehow influence your and benefit your career, your work as a researcher, or you like see them separate from, from your um, work? Well, I actually, I do see them separate from my work, but I really see benefits in both. So for example, when I was from very young and interested and then we had an old computer and I was really interested in games and then I would start playing around with the games and beyond just playing the games, I would also uh, go look how the game worked and how it was programmed, etc. So I was already interested in, for example, programming, which is very important uh, to, my, to my work now and, uh, uh, and this sort of figuring out how something works or uh, systems, just systems in general, this is something that's, that plays a big role. And then also since uh, I have always liked this creative writing and been involved in it, and now when I have to write a paper, it's really not a problem for me. Oh. This is something I see some of my colleagues struggle with if they're not, it's just practice. So if they have not been writing, now they have to suddenly write papers or the thesis etc and I'm just uh, I just have had practice even if it's not it's not the same kind of writing obviously but it's a uh, it's like any skill it's just a skill that you practice so uh, there are always benefits hmm. that's that's a very very interesting to see how one goes one activity like sort of derives into benefits into the other and has spillover effects in terms of your study environment when you were at university and now that you're working more on projects, on real projects, uh, did you see somehow a shift in, uh, in the environment? So how things were organized while you were studying and how things are organized right now? Well, I mean, things are certainly more organized in the sense of a research group it's uh, it's quite it's different that obviously when you're a student then you have your schedule for the whole year and then this exam is here and this exam is here and here I mean I think the similarity would be that you you know of some deadlines you know of some project goals and um, so in that case you in, in that sense you could you could have some parallels um, but mostly, I think it's more organized than, you know, a, a bunch of students trying to self-organize. It's definitely a bit different. Yeah, definitely. When you work on international projects, I guess, <laughs> things I go think to the another stakes, level. <laughs> yes, the stakes are a bit higher, yes. <laughs> but still fun, I believe, with so many partners yeah. and all people involved. I was also wondering if you ever considered, for example, the private sector in marine robotics, if you always wanted to remain research in academia or you also thought about the private sector. And what do you think about the private sector in marine robotics? Uh, I, have, I have really specifically wanted to be in research and academia all the 
not all my life, but well, you know, pretty much this was this is something that I'm interested in. I'm uh, not very well. I don't really have experience with the the private sector beyond some industrial partners that we have worked with as as a research lab. Um, Obviously, I now know from, say, from hearing what friends who work in, in, in the industry, etc. And uh, I, I don't, uh, I don't, uh, it's, it's not very appealing to me. I would, I prefer uh, this, this environment, for sure. And why is it not appealing that you have less, like, freedom of research? Or why do you consider it? Yes, I think it's a... Uh, it's just that uh, the priorities are different. Uh, the structure is different. I think the attitude is different. Uh, obviously, yes, less flexibility and more. I, the, the focus on uh, things being a product and uh, of market focus, etc. And this is something that is not very appealing to me personally. Uh, so you see this commercial part, like uh, the need to transform everything yes, into the I product. I think, yeah, yeah, it, it it leads to some effects that are don't are undesirable. I think, and perhaps just limitations or just different different uh, ways of looking at and organizing work, and uh, just a different set of goals, and uh, in general, a different atmosphere then. That's uh, that's very interesting to see that you're preferring the like the academia side and the work inside academia, uh, which is also challenging. And you have also to publish many things, so it's not like uh, it's easy. Yeah, it's a very different. Yeah, it's a, but it's a different set of challenges, and I think it just depends mm -hmm. on the person or what they find. Mm -hmm. uh, one other question I was um, interested in what you think about the statement that the women are better wired maybe for tech. Uh, I'm not sure where, where that comes from, but uh, I've never really heard this, this statement before. But, <laughs> yeah, it's um, just one of, of my curiosities to, mm -hmm. because there, there are some research studies on creativity that uh, mm -hmm. have also proven that, for example, uh, creativity in tech is not any different from creativity in a creative field in media and, and any other sector. So I was just thinking about the stereotype of a woman researcher in such a technological field and the fact that maybe a woman could be more better wired for tech and we were talking also with other women researchers about the qualities that the woman could bring, for example, to this field, for example, um, in terms of uh, being more like sort of somehow sensitive to some things and dealing with, with more care, which could be also considered a stereotype because as we look at this field of marine robotics as a, um, a predominantly male dominated field, like this uh, saying that a woman is more gentle and careful and considerate could be also considered uh, a stereotype. But I was wondering what you could think of this statement that a woman could be better wired for a tech job or... Yes, I mean, I think for sure oh, she, a woman can be. And I think this is, this is 
of, of course, this is a question of the person themselves. But of, yes, of course, you'll also you always have the question of, you know, socialization and like, will the woman be more polite and more inclined to uh, maybe compromise or something? I, I, yes, you're right. It is a stereotype. But then you have the anecdotal experiences and uh, and such. And I do think that especially as I mentioned that teamwork here is crucial and uh, collaboration is crucial. So if we are saying that a woman would bring these qualities of being more maybe communicative or more skilled with these you know, soft people skills or if that's what they're called, yeah. um, then this is definitely a big benefit. But I also, uh, just in my experience that I have known people of, of all genders to be, you know, tidy or pedantic or careful or polite impolite or communicative and any stereotype you can think of uh, across all sorts of people so that also is I feel maybe uh, just you can't you can you can try to judge uh, on that basis but I think sometimes you will be quite wrong and you have to work with a person and you see how they fit into a team and how they manage and then you really get the measure of a person mm -hmm. and as a last thing to conclude um i wanted to ask if you had some advice for young girls or for also for women who are trying to pursue a career but often get challenged by this stereotyped vision of not being for them because they're a woman well, I would, I would really suggest they just, if the direction this is coming from, to just shut it, shut it down immediately. Because uh, I do think that that as as this uh, sort of ratio and the statistics are changing, just the presence of women is already something that brings good shifts. Just uh, as an example, if you if you just uh, think of. Uh, you know, a bunch of guys and they make some silly jokes. Just by the fact of putting in a few women in the team, you just see these jokes not happen anymore. Yes, yeah, so it's just uh, even just by the presence of women in the field, things shift for the better for future, for women entering the field in the future. So it's just uh, a process that I think is happening and that no one should be uh by perhaps a lack of representation though i think again this lack of representation is something that's being addressed and how do you think that this lack of representation is being addressed do you see it like the need for being addressed from an early age on when children are younger and they tend to be more involved in technical kind of activities like coding and robotics and so on or where do you see this change needing to have place in order for things to shift in the representation of women. So something I've, I see when uh, sometimes we... It's funny to see that when you have smaller kids, they are completely open. They just, they don't know that they're not supposed supposed to be interested in something or, or so. And, and the, you see little girls just be as, as exactly as, as enthusiastic and interested as the little boys. And sometimes you see the parents bring in these biases, etc. And that's, uh, 
again, this is something that can that that has to be addressed, I think, at all levels, but also as you normalize this image of, of a woman researcher in some field that was perhaps not stereotypically female viewed or something like that, you, you get rid of this because it just doesn't really have that weight anymore. If you see the person exist, obviously this is an option. This is something that you can achieve and that it uh, doesn't have to be a barrier of any kind. That's a very nice way to close also the interview today <laughs> to open up a little bit this kind of stereotype and representational lack in terms of women being able to, to, uh, to have access to any career they would like to. And I would like to thank you for uh, today for taking the time to give us an insight into your own work and your own life uh, as a researcher. Thank you. Thank you for having me.